all afternoon. It'll be a 30-yard attempt, ball right in the middle of the field. Try to stretch the lead back to two touchdowns. Snap down. Moody's kicks heading towards the pipes, and it is good. And there's one second left on the half clock. That was that was a highlight. Hey, that was uh, you know what I I will I will be very curious to get Michigan's you know, like read some Michigan post game reaction. I don't think Michigan played very well today, and that scenario there at the end of the first half. Did did Harbaugh was Harbaugh more concerned about the injury to Whipple across the field because it's almost like they forgot the clock was running down and we were nearing halftime on that final drive where they had three timeouts. That was the worst clock management I can remember at the end of a half. It was I, it was as if Michigan was coaching to lose the game because so you had three timeouts left and you're inside Nebraska's thirty yard line. You probably I mean with 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 three timeouts. And 30 seconds left, especially when the first down stops the clock. I'm mean, that can be five, six, seven plays. And then Michigan, uh, there was the um, I'm trying to remember the the sequence of events, but they got a, a short run, and then there was a too many men on the field penalty yeah. that they declined. And because they declined it, the clock started running again, unbeknownst apparently to Michigan, and then they ran another play. And it was an incomplete pass, and then it finally stopped the clock. But they let so much time run off the clock, and they went into the locker room taking in those two timeouts. I mean, if they would have given a little bit of effort, they might have been able to punch it in. And as I quoted on Twitter, uh, on Twitter at halftime, you know, it's it's too bad Nebraska's just outmanned in this game yeah. because Michigan is coaching not to win it. And I thought it was that way the whole first half. The the fact that you know their first drive was just methodical. And then the second drive, it's like, oh, let's just play some YOLO ball. And they throw a couple of deep balls, and then they're facing third and ten. It, it was a it was a very uninspired performance for the most part. But I, I'm with you. I would love to know what some Michigan fans were thinking because if that if we see that similar style of play calling and game management in two weeks, give me Ohio State by 25 because the Buckeyes will roll them. Yeah, it's just a disjointed. I, I don't know if it was, you know, you're you're a thirty and a half point favorite. You're supposed to roll Nebraska. I just, I thought there were times where Michigan just kind of went through the motions. Now, Corum was Big Corum, time. but you know, their wide receivers didn't get a ton of separation. They weren't good None. on deep balls. It was just, I don't know. It, probably for both sides, the game was played. Uh, it got over quickly, and you move <laughs> on to the next week. This this really did feel like a. Well, it's on the schedule. We have to play it, so let's just go out and go through. Very much like the uh, the third preseason game in the NFL, where it's just like, all right, let's just get through this, get nobody hurt, and move on. Yeah, you know what? Big would, red over. You know what <laughs> would have been kind of interesting would have been the the drive that Nebraska had. Their the, the only points of the game uh, that mm-hmm. end up with Bleak Road, and I think he's seven for his last seven. Thank God for the punter and the place kicker this year for Nebraska. Thank uh, God, yes, but. So you're driving down the field, and that's on the series where Purdy gets has the awkward, oh, I'm not going to slide, then I'm going to slide, <sighs> and he injures his knee. You know, that drive had the feel of it's so, like, so, it's so off-kilter what they're calling and what's happening that it may end up in the end zone. You know, they bring in Smothers in three plays, low snap, boom, they have to kick a field goal. But I wonder what the game, how the game starts to look if Michigan feels like they're threatened and all of a sudden it's 14-3. Or 14-7 instead of... 14-7. Yeah, instead of 14-3. Yeah. 
I don't know, but it, I, I was I was frustrated, especially right after Smothers comes in. He comes in after the Purdy injury and gets a, a, a three-yard gain. You know, they just run a little quarterback draw. And then on second and seven, they decide to throw the football with a guy who is coming in cold and is supposedly not your passing quarterback. I'm not sure why. Well, I do know why, because Whipple's a stubborn old guy. But why that? Why don't you run the ball there? Second and seven, you you got the playbook open to you. Run the ball, see what happens. Maybe you're in third and short, and, and you've got an opportunity to convert the third down, and then maybe you're in first and goal. Instead, you know, they put you know Smothers in a spot where he's trying to complete a pass, and he throws it behind Trey Palmer. And then you're on third and seven, and it turns into a sack, and drive is drive is killed, or at least a touchdown yep. chance of scoring on that drive is killed. It just it made no sense to me why why you're you're trying to still just pound that round peg into a square hole, especially given your quarterback. You know what I would have, and I'm glad you brought that up. What I would have liked to see, and and again, and then when you know you bring up a backup when Purdy gets hurt, so it turns into a little bit of a fire drill is. Why not put Smothers under center? I, I thought they would yeah. try. I thought they would try with Purdy early on. I really liked what they did against Minnesota on that opening drive where they went Purdy under center and they went two tight ends and they had a little element of quarterback run game. So they forced Minnesota to play eleven on eleven. I thought they would try that. I don't think we ever saw two tight end sets today. I, I think we did, but they threw out of it. Um, there were a couple of times, and it was late. It was late in the game. I saw both Borkercher and and Brewington on the field at the same time, but they ran out of spread, and they threw out of it. You know, where's – Chancellor Brewington, who was one of the great stories of last year, who would come across the formation and just destroy somebody, wham block somebody, where has that been this year? I know it's a new offense, but they said they kept the old playbook. It's like, didn't you watch the film and see this guy's a heck of a run blocker? And it's two weeks in a row now that they haven't really utilized him in that role. When when you're trying to slow the game down and you're trying to run the ball and you're trying to you know be happy with your three or four yards, yet you got this guy who's a really good run blocker and you're not utilizing him in that sense. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't it, get it. I, it. Maybe it feels like uh, Borkature has... Uh has elevated himself above Brewington. But I, I, I'm with Perhaps. you. I, I think there's he does have a a, a, a role that uh, we've not seen him in the last two weeks. Let's go to uh, Phil, who uh, held through the break. Hello, Phil. Welcome to Big Red Overreaction. Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, um, when I was on hold, I actually thought about the positive um, over the past 20 years when you were talking about how Michigan seemed disinterested. Remember when any time Nebraska would play anyone, anywhere, they had this fervor to stick it to us and it seems like that's kind of going away um <laughs> you know we go somewhere and it's like i went to the Rutgers game and um it wasn't anything like hey we're playing nebraska um so you, does that make any sense to you guys but anyways, I know where you're going. Yeah. I, 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 I still think the people on the east side of the Missouri River uh, would disagree with you, but maybe maybe there is something there because Michigan sure didn't appear, appear like, especially in the first three quarters, that they really wanted to stick it to Nebraska. But what, one thing I, uh, I called because um, this game today was lost a long time ago, like you said, and I don't think it has anything to do with the players. I think it has everything to do with we've been malpractice coached and trained and all of the things that 
our great football program was built on um, are gone. And everything when we were ahead in the eighties and we were developing kids and we were doing this and we were doing that with Boyd Epley and we were ahead of the game and then everybody caught up. And I don't know if we rested on our laurels. And, and the first guy, that first guy that called in, I was like, come on, Bob. Anyways, he, he said, you said at the very end, hey, it was leadership. And he goes, yeah, but we got that figured out with Mickey. That's not what you meant. It was the no. leadership. It was I-Course. It was Peterson. It was all that. All that started what we are currently in. And we just need to make the right hire, whether it be Mickey, because I don't think if Mickey gets hired, it has anything to do with, with what's going on on the field, because I think Mickey has one arm tied behind his back right now. He, he cannot fully make the decisions that he would make, say it, spring of next year. So, you know, I, I think there are a lot of different variables. And when I was at the Rutgers game, we got really good seats for like 14th row behind Nebraska's bench. And as soon as that game ended, Mickey and Trev ran to each other and embraced like Rocky and Apollo. <laughs> and that, that meant something to me. I was like, huh. Was it an awkward bro hug like Rocky and Apollo? <laughs> uh, Mickey's mouth wasn't, wasn't going sideways like Rocky's. Um, but... Um, it, it was just it was a, it was a good embrace. I mean, it was like right away they ran to each other. So, um, well, well, we, we it, it's what's going on that we don't know about, and I don't think any of us that are lifers, you know, know what's what's really going on. Trev, Trev's yeah. keeping those cars yeah. to his vest. So, so anyway, hey, no, guys, no, Phil. Hey, before you go, let me ask you, no, Phil. Yeah. Don't don't hang up. I want to ask you something here. Um, sure. and, and you're right about. I mean, Trev and Mickey's relationship is completely different. You don't you don't tell a guy, hey, be ready in the middle of the summer. I mean, you don't you don't tell a guy on the staff, hey, be ready, and the, the guy on the staff mm-hmm. goes, what does that mean? He knows what that means. If you are sitting at home, and let's say, Phil, you're up for the Nebraska job and you have a vested interest, and you watch today's game and you watched a Michigan team who is clearly one of the top teams in the country, but they they bullied Nebraska. And you look at the quarterback situation and you look at the past history and you look at some of the things that need to be fixed. Is Nebraska appealing to you? Is it more appealing because you like the challenge or less appealing, realizing that this is going to be one hell of a challenge to lift it over the next couple of years? Well, that's a good question because we are teetering on um, are we just a normal program that is underperforming right now and we don't have, you know, we're not in the South, we have bad weather, we have low population. Um, but we have the fan base that really gets behind you. So, I mean, next year, somebody comes in next year, because think about it, coming in a few years ago, you'd be thinking, man, I don't know if I want to take that job, because if I don't do this, this, or this, I'm going to get fired. But now you're coming in, and gosh, guys, think about a 6-6 and record. We'd be like, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, so the expectations are coming down a little bit, and I don't think we're void of talent. I really don't. There are some places that we need, obviously, to get better. Like you said, we got bullied, but you know, well, they've it got. Wouldn't take that long. Well, you to can get some of that fixed. Well, you can see what competent coaching on a side of the football does for some guys that have been AOL this year. That they may not be elite defensive players, 
but at least they're in a position to perform better, and we've seen that on defense. So if you get those kind, and Phil, thanks for the call and thanks for answering that question. I, I think there's, you know, I like I look at the defense side of the ball. Like Ernest Hausman is going through the roller coaster of a guy that 12 months ago was at Columbus High School, okay, and he's thrown into the Big Ten. And the blessing in disguise of the Henrich injury is that Ernest is playing a lot more. And he's he's going through things. I mean, he's getting picked on. He'll make a great play, and then he'll go, "Oh, where was he at on that play?" Um, you know, it's just it's it's going to be a thing, John. And we're going to have plenty of time to discuss this with whoever the new head coach is. Is you're going to have to make sure you start at A, and you go through the steps to get to B, and don't skip B to go right to C. And you're going to have to walk, not run, and have a realization of where the program is, but also the realization of where if you go from point A to point B, you can be in a short amount of time. But that's why I keep going back to when Trev said, man, we need a grinder 24-7. Because whoever is in that role, man, say say goodbye to your family because this is going to take all of your attention in the offseason to put together a recruiting class, keep guys on campus, put together a, a off-field staff, get ready for winter conditioning, and then get a plan in place and then go through spring. I mean, you, you basically are not going to sleep. That's why that person that takes over, they have to hit the ground running. And that's why I would like to see whenever the new head coach is announced, you unveil a lot of the plan that is with it, not, hey, the new head coach is here or keep a couple guys to recruit while he tries and hires the staff. I think you got to unveil it so that you are ready to go from day one. Well, that's one of the supposed advantages you would think of having this prolonged coaching search is you've had a chance to really vet candidates first and then secondly you zero in on them and and theoretically you do come to some kind of an agreement early now whether or not that's actually happened I don't know and and certainly if it's somebody who's currently coaching in a job right now uh, it, it makes it much more difficult but what you would hope in that circumstance if it is a coach who's currently you know going through his own gig right now is that they potentially you know have the core of that group Whatever his assistant coaches, he's got a course like, okay, these are the guys I absolutely trust. I'm bringing them with me. And then, you know, X, you know, one, two, three, four, you four guy, I'm going to find you. I'm going to hire you and bring you over. And you can have something outlined there. A Matt Rule, potentially, I'm just throwing him out there as an example because he's currently not coaching, would have more of a time to put together everything and literally be able to hit the ground running from day one because. When that hire is made, you're only going to have a few days left in the in the first recruiting window as far as high school, which means you're probably out there trying to resell some of the commits that Mickey's gotten. But then you also have just a short window of time in the transfer portal because, you know, that's going to be right after the conference championship games. You'll get another window that'll be coming up in the spring. But, yeah, there's a lot of things that take place in a very short window and this extra time from firing Frost on September of the 11th was supposed to buy somebody more time to do exactly that. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I again, I'm not I'm not terribly confident one way or another whether or not a person's actually been selected yet or not. But um, we, we will see. We're going to find out here in the, at least the next. Couple so there is. Let me let me just interject here, and maybe we can go to Mike, or you yeah. want to go to a break, whatever you like to do. John yeah. is is there is the the you know names that may be speculated about, hey, if you're able to keep him on staff, and, and especially a guy like Mickey is, he will be able to give, if it's not him, he will be able to give the new head coach a pretty solid assessment of the talent on the roster. 
Yes. Mickey will not will so, not pull punches. So the, the so that would be a benefit to a new coach coming in here. He's not coming in blind. That he has a sense of okay, can a guy play? And is the guy a good dude or bad dude? And what what should we expect out of him instead of inheriting a whole new crop of players that you know nothing about? Um, that's where I think Trev in this case and and going back to uh, Phil's call and one thing he alluded to is there is the stuff that we don't know about that is going on inside of the walls and inside of the locker room that I think you have an athletic director for the first time, I believe, John, in a while, that has a better read on the football program when he makes a move like this than other athletic directors have done because I think he has a more open relationship with the two guys that have been head coaches this year, so he knows what's going on. And I think he also is a better communicator with the current student athletes of listening to any concerns or or just listening um, than you know an I course or a moose have been that have had to make major hires in the past. Yeah, I would be very confident. So if you're a Trev Alberts, I'd be very confident that Trev Alberts has a very good grasp now being on the job for 15, 16 months of exactly where this program is, what it needs, where its current deficiencies are all of it and he and he's and he's and he's totally in tune with this particular group and the players that you know are in it the people the the support staff everyone that is in it you're right because you know when i course came in he didn't have it he didn't have much of a clue he hired um, mike riley for himself he exactly. didn't he didn't he hire for himself and bill moose yeah. literally was brought in yeah. to do one thing and that was to hire scott frost so it, so he gets he, a pass but so, he doesn't get so, a pass once he hires him. No, exactly. He does not. Big Red Overreaction is brought to you by Equitable Bank. We take banking personally by Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill, and by Burton when you're plumbing certain. Just call Burton. TCU and Texas are underway. Each team has had a possession. No points yet. 7-3 Washington over Oregon late first quarter. Back to more of your calls when Gary and I bring you back right after this. Big Red Overreaction on 1620 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg.